0: Why do you grab one of the Bibles on the tables and we're going to just have a quick short reading together. We're on page, oh my word, uh, 807. Should have brought glasses. Okay, just trying to get the optimum distance. Okay, that's not bad. If I read slowly it's for your benefit, it's not because I can't read it. Page 807. And we're reading from a book called 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to pick it up on that right-hand column on verse 12. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits. But we'll confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us. A sphere that also includes you. We are not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come to you. For we did get as far to you as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither did we go beyond our limits of boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow... Our sphere of activity amongst you will greatly expand, so we can preach the gospel in regions beyond you. Well, originally when we planned this term, this um, session was down as a talk on giving. Uh, So I was the plan was I was going to be here and inviting you all to give more money. Um, I've delayed that. We're going to pick that up next term. But by the way, give more money. Don't feel in any way hindered or held back from doing that. You are so invited to do that. But actually as I looked at the passage that I immediately felt drawn to look at, um, I felt still to say things that I think are actually more about vision and direction than money itself. And I think in any church the vision comes first and the resourcing and the provision follows. So I think it's better to see this today as a talk on vision. And I feel like it's half a talk and I may come back beginning of next term and kind of pick up the other half. But I want to sort of speak into um, what I think is changing and developing in the midst of our community as a whole church. Um, And this passage I feel expresses something of the heart of the mission of God that I think is actually being echoed in our lives. Something that's beginning to happen. And sometimes I think it's helpful just to... Describe or begin to name something so we can kind of see it, perceive it, grab it, lay a hold of it and engage with it. Because the big picture stuff, the big things, are the bits that then give clarity to our own part, our component in the thing that's happening, the way we serve. It helps us to understand and make sense of why something might change, or well, we've always done this this way, and now it's being like this, or something might happen, and that results in a consequential change, or something's different. If we've if we grasp the big picture, if we've talked about what is God doing, then that helps us understand why that might be happening. I've got four points if you want to follow, and there'll be four slides, four quotes from this section that we've just read. And the Apostle Paul is writing to churches that he has planted. So Paul, the author, is an apostle, he's like a general of the church, he's an overseer of many churches, and many of the churches that he's writing to and about here are churches that he himself um, started. And he's writing to them about the dangers of comparison, it could be one church that compares itself with another church, or one church leader or even an apostle comparing themselves with another one. Some, he says, even go as far as to write their own testimonial. That is to say that they kind of, it's as if they brag or exaggerate verbally what God is doing with them. In contrast to what he said in an earlier chapter in this book where he says, do you know what, we should merely commend ourselves as servants of God. And the church, I think, actually is much more switched on to promoting itself these days. Uh, We think more about marketing and branding and what do we look like. And with the help of Google, I've picked up some of the examples of these. So I'm overwhelmed at the number of churches that are now described as vibrant we are a vibrant church. Not just a church. No, our church is vibrant. Uh, other churches are global. Uh, some churches are world changers. Um, I found this morning a church that said it described itself as this. We are a church of champions. Wow. Um, another church said this. You can expect world class preaching. Every Sunday. What a promise to put on your website. Another said this. A professional standard worship encounter. Just, just think that through. Professional standard worship encounter. Here's another one. A heavenly experience from the moment you arrive in the car park. <laughs> Guys, if you're in a car today, did you feel it? As you came in, did you feel like, whoa, it it feels heavenly already. Did that experience continue through as you entered into the the auditorium to hear this world-class preaching, etc. Another church said this, the only biblical church in the city. I think there's probably a backstory to that. Uh, Another one said they were better than the church down the road. I hope that was a joke. I really (laughs) hope that's just a bit of friendly banter. Uh, One church tweeted... We've had this year... Over 200 hits to our website. (laughs) They don't understand marketing, do they? And here's the last one. The one that I love. Come and enjoy Jesus. And our gourmet coffee. (laughs) That's the one I like. That's the one I'd like to choose. So some, some are in danger... Of comparing themselves with others. Paul goes on to say... Some are also in danger with comparing themselves with themselves. That is to say, as if it's as if they make their own internal development the goal. It's as if the mission of the church becomes be a better church. In fact, we talked about this when we did the interview about church planting. And one of the things I, I kind of observe is I think... Although church planting will put huge challenges on it, the alternative, in a sense, is that you become a more inward-looking church. That the goal becomes making what's in the room better, rather than expanding and developing and reaching other places. And it's not that it's wrong to improve and develop what we're doing, so yes, we're working on the video system. And we need to buy some PA speakers because these aren't ours and we borrow them. Have you seen the new milk jugs? Every, I mean, I love those shiny jugs. They're amazing. Those welcome cards are about to be printed in deluxe quality print. Do you know that Matt's around most Sundays taking pictures? So get this. You can come to church. You can go home. You can wake up on Monday... Look on Facebook and there's a picture of you at church. Who knew the things we are inventing and doing? But the danger is, of course, that that becomes a trap. It becomes the goal itself. And it takes our focus off what Paul describes in this passage as living in line with what God has marked out for us. We can harbour that deep satisfaction that you know, maybe if we get that gourmet coffee, then it's as if we've reached the pinnacle and the goal of what we should be about. And so, of course, the, the, the contrast of both those things, comparing ourselves with others, comparing ourselves with ourselves and what our own goals and standards are, is to compare ourselves with what actually God is calling and asking us to do. And Paul goes on, Dan, if you can click on two slides, um, to suggest some of the ways that that happens. And in verse 13 he says this, We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. So he's already said there's a kind of boasting, a a, self-testimonial, an elevating that's that's inappropriate, unhealthy to the mission of what God has called us to. But there is an expression, a, a form of boasting that is healthy and helpful. Paul is proud to be a member of his church. He's not wanting to self-elevate, he's not wanting to do someone down in order to lift himself up. He's not looking to make a comparison or a contrast with someone else or somewhere else. And it kind of sounds a bit like what Roger Bretherton said to us a few weeks ago when he was here talking about emotional health. Do you remember the five things that he said? We're going to do a series on it at the beginning of next year. But one of the things he said is this, an emotionally healthy church appreciates what it is. It was the quality of gratitude. And so there's a kind of boasting that Paul is saying is good. I think we could best describe it with that word. Gratitude. Being grateful for what God has done and is doing in our midst. And it's a powerful thing to appreciate, to express with gratitude. Either who you are as a person or who we are as a church. Gratitude is an antidote to complaining. To comparison, to dissatisfaction, to false ambition, to selfishness, to ego. I, um, I've recently signed up to get a spiritual director. Uh, who's, if you don't know what that is, it's like a personal coach for your prayer life. I haven't even done it yet, so I'm just like, I've just seen the person who will find me, the person who will become my spiritual director. So I had my first meeting, and the person said, let me help you to get you started. And they talked to me a bit about the mystics, these people that used to go and live in caves to encounter God. And she talked to me about the desert fathers, uh, those that kind of... uh, Uh, rebelled against the kind of institutionalisation of the church and wanted a a pure relationship with God. She talked to me about the the medieval writers who who dug deep and thought thought differently and fresh about who God is. And she said, "All, all of their thinking could be summed up. There's one thing that comes top of the list of what those guys say. And she said, it's this, gratitude. And so the first exercise I need to do is simply to pray. And in my prayer, remember with gratitude all the things that I'm thankful for. Do you know this same week I had a conversation with uh, someone who works for the Church of England. They put together that video that was played at the beginning of the service where they filmed different people doing the Lord's Prayer. And he said an interesting thing to me. He said, we've discovered making that video that children... Are better at praying than adults. And that when they asked the children to pray, the children instinctively began by saying thank you to God. And adults instinctively began praying, asking God to do stuff for them. Children instinctively know how to express gratitude for what's happening in their lives. Gratitude towards God. So I thought about G2, and I'd like to say some things that I'm grateful for. It's always dangerous starting a list because you miss something out, so if I miss the thing you're aware of out, it's, it's just that I had a short list. I'm grateful for lots of young leaders that we have here every week. I'm grateful to be on a core team where if you take me out, if you take me out, the average age is 24 and a half that 's made i 'm even more grateful because I know that, that a twenty four year old is the person least likely to be in church, so to have leaders who are twenty five i 'm grateful for that i 'm grateful that we 're full of the missing generation i 'm grateful that we 've got students and all the amazing things that Holly just went through many of us may not have even known all those things were happening by students. You just thought, oh, there's a few students that come to G2. No, we're grateful for all that stuff that they have figured out they need to do, and they're now doing it. I'm grateful for the children that fill this room with life and a small amount of noise, but keep keep this gathering bright and family-focused. I'm grateful that we're a creative Church, I'm grateful that we're a positive church that's encouraging, friendly, kind, forgiving. A church with so little complaining. I'm grateful that we're an innovative church, like projects that you've already heard mentioned. In fact, I totted up this week that I reckon there are at least 30 projects that either people in G2 lead or play a significant part in. I think that's unusual. I'm grateful for that level of of engagement, I'm grateful for the fact that so many people in this church work for a Christian organisation. So they've chosen um, to not be paid as much in order to serve and contribute beyond just church life, but in an organisation that's doing more. I'm grateful that we've produced uh, four people who wanted to be ordained. So we've got others in process now, and I'm grateful that we're planting a church. And there's many more things, things you're thinking of right now that we can be grateful for as a church. So g I just want to say this. You're amazing. Look in a mirror give yourselves a big thumbs up. You should reach over and just pat yourself on the back and say to the person next to you, well done, you're doing a brilliant job. We're grateful for who you are. Like a couple of you are doing it, I know it's awkward. but let's move on. And in verse 14, Paul says this. We are not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we'd not come to you. For we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. So Paul is proud to boast and say with gratitude those things that are clearly the result of God's work in these communities that he's connecting to. Basically in all of this he's saying, thank you to God. For all that he's doing in your lives that I can see. So we've had bad, bad boasting. We've had good gratitude. Point number three is um, that Paul is not satisfied with what he sees. Now he's going somewhere with this. So let's follow this. Having expressed his gratitude for that church... Where he is for the other church that he planted, for that one that is involved with, he looks more widely. He's looking at the region and beyond, and he says this: Our satisfaction is in not in matters beyond our proper sphere, nor in the labors of other people. He's not willing to be just contented for the church that he's in. Um, he's not content just to say, I'm in a great church and we're trying to make it better. He is motivated by looking at the bigger picture, looking more widely beyond his church, beyond his town, beyond even his region, and looking at the need to multiply and expand what already exists into somewhere where it's much needed. And I think something like this is what God's bringing into our community. And it includes, for example, planting a church. But I think it's more than that. That as we think, what is ahead for us as a community? I think it's a dissatisfaction with what things things are like more widely. Our efforts are not to be focused simply on tweaking and improving what we already have to polish it up and make it a bit nicer. Of course we need to work on lots of things, but the the raw heart of where we should be focusing should be on seeing the opportunity that God has set more regionally. Now, York's an unusual place. It's served with lots of great churches. But as soon as you're not far from York, you reach situations where um, there is a great need to start new communities. Um, I know lots of church leaders in Leeds and they've said there's loads of places in Leeds where we need new churches starting. If you've got anyone that would like to come and do that, send them to us. Um, I know that in the city of Hull, it gets one of the least returns for church job applications. It's not uncommon to advertise a church leader job in Hull three times and get no applicants. Now that might be because people don't want to live in Hull, but do you know what? God loves Hull. And somebody needs to go and plant 10 or 20 churches in Hull to change that city and to reach the people that are there. A few months ago I was hanging out with some uh, alpha leaders from Western Europe and there were guys from Denmark and Holland and France and Ireland and Belgium and Germany. As we went round and kind of just talked about our nations, that's how we did it, like our nations. So as we went round and talked about our nations, I was struck that actually church life, In England, it's so great and easy compared to the challenges that many of these guys face. And they were saying the same thing like, if you've got anyone spare, if you've got anyone you could send to us, we've got so many opportunities and not enough people to reach those. And so Paul feels this dissatisfaction that it's not just enough to have the local church being something that meets our needs there is a region and a nation and nations beyond where um, that are not being as served as well by god's churches and then he goes on to say this last thing he says our hope is that your growing faith will mean the expansion of our sphere of action so that before long we will be preaching the gospel Beyond you. So he's gone from um, uh, bad boasting to uh, good gratitude to a holy dissatisfaction with how things are in the wider sea. And now he wants us to focus on growing faith. And this is where Paul's going in this passage. He's trying to communicate to this church that there is an urgent need for them to grow in their faith. There is an urgent need for them to step up to what God has for them, to step into the more that God is setting in front of them. He wants the church to understand the need that they uh, need to be caught up in the, the bigger plan of what God is doing, and that engaging that will cause and necessitate them to have a growing, expanding. Faith. So, this planting, this spreading, this seeing uh, God's church reach places where it's much needed and needs to be established, the mechanism is the growing faith of people like you and me. So, for example, why have we talked about church planting for a couple of years, but it's only just happening now? Well, the reason is it needed for people to grow in their faith to the point when it was the right time to do that. How will we uh, discern and understand what the wider role, the expanding role that God has for us looks like? It will be by investing into the growth of our own faith so that we can see what God is calling us to. What's the single biggest resource that the church needs to get more done? It's not money, it's growing faith, expanding the sphere of influence of God's church. So faith draws us out into new things. So for example, one of the things we need to figure out is as Josh and Ellie and a team of others plant a church next year, that will leave a significant hole in the life of this Community. Those that are going will face challenges, and they will need to pray and step up and increase in their faith. Their faith will need to grow, but also it will need growing faith from others of us here to be willing to lead clusters, or to preach, or to lead worship, or to be involved in children's work, or youth work, or students. Work to set up, to do the technology, to do the welcome, to be involved in making the car park a heavenly experience, (laughs) however, we do that. Someone may be feeling called to that ministry right now. It's reflected in some of our own just personal devotion to God, being called, feeling the call to get baptized, or um, responding to pray, or reading the Bible. Maybe it is giving money or serving on a team or joining a small group or uh, investing in another person. All of those things represent growing faith. We're going to pause there because I want to pick up the second half of this next term and I would love us to chat for a few minutes about this idea of growing faith. What are you feeling about it right now? How do you think it applies to you if we went around the room the application the implication the that what that means would be different for each one of us it may be you want to come from the point of view of saying this is what i think god's doing and maybe that that growing faith that is happening is the thing that's going to result in me doing different things in the future it it may be you see a need or an opportunity in our church And and you're sensing, actually, my faith will now need to grow and expand in order for me to step in to that role. So, um, uh, Josh and Adam are going to come in a minute, but we're going to chat at our table. So, say hi now to the people...